This podcast is brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit vinzero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From Vinzero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to Vinzero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Born and raised in Italy, architect Alessandro Ronfini worked on large commercial projects throughout Europe and the US before deciding to partner with Daniel Kidd and start Demo Architects. With a mix of technical expertise, construction experience and design backgrounds, Demo Architects works towards implementing high-tech and prefabricated solutions, both in commercial and residential projects, with a particular focus on sustainability and the principles of Passive House. We welcome to the program today, Alessandro. Thank you very much for having me. Alessandro, Demo Architects as a firm are focused on creating healthy, energy efficient and design focused environments with an emphasis on Passive House and Net Zero Design. Can you help our listeners understand the key differences between Passive House and Net Zero centric designs? There's there's a lot of common points between uh, Passive House and Net Zero. The main difference is that Passive House uh, is a performance driven standard uh, and it's not necessarily tied to a Net Zero performance, while a Net Zero house uh, needs to produce uh, or generate uh, harvest uh, rather in uh, on site uh, all of the energy that it uses uh, to heat and cool and uh, and run the, all the energy needs of a house so where did the term passive house actually stem from passive house comes from uh, uh, germany uh, it's a standard that was originated in germany um, and the word house in germany has a slightly different meaning than the one that it has in, uh, in english uh, so it's it's a wider meaning. It doesn't only include houses in the American uh, uh, translation, but uh, buildings in general. So a passive house is a house that does as little as possible to run. It's a house that is designed for maximum energy efficiency, but also for maximum comfort within the interior uh, of the space. The term passive house is actually something that is a little bit controversial in the industry, depending on who you talk to, in the sense that it almost uh, uh, sounds like it limits uh, the application to uh, single family houses, uh, generally defined as a house. Uh, but the reality is that it's actually a standard that performs incredibly well at a larger scale. Multifamily buildings are really the buildings where it's the most efficient uh, to use this standard because the added cost is limited compared to a single family house and the benefits are many and uh, and they spread out to a larger audience and larger public. And you're certainly in a position to speak from experience. You recently completed your own passive house project for your family. What was the key driver for you personally to embark on that journey? Well, personally, I wanted to uh, build a comfortable house. I wanted to build a house that had the really high quality interior air uh, and a house that was, uh, for me, inexpensive to maintain and easy to maintain. That also was, of course, another reason to, to build a passive house for me as an architect was to 
showcase my technical and design abilities. I think that uh, this house, uh, it's not the only passive house that doesn't look like uh, an energy efficient home, but uh, it definitely stands out from the majority of, uh, of passive houses in the sense that uh, it's, it's clearly design driven, but it's also the design follows the performances. So there's, uh, there's both aspects of it uh, in the house. So it's a building that kind of wants to show that the we can still do something nice and exciting, even when we aim for this very strict standard. So, Alessandro, what are some of the key design elements for a passive home? So, the passive house highlights five key points to follow to create the passive house design. They are air tightness, thermal insulation, mechanical ventilation with heat recovery, high-performance windows, and a thermal bridge-free uh, construction. So the air tightness, uh, uh, the thermal insulation, uh, they relate to, to the envelope of a building and to a certain extent also the high performance windows. So uh, the idea is to create a very well insulated uh, envelope that is airtight so that there's no loss of uh, heat in any way from the interior of this, uh, of this building. Uh, mechanical ventilation is uh, a kind of a, a consequence in a way of this because we have such a tight thermal uh, envelope we want to provide the fresh air through a system that is very efficient that doesn't bring in cold air, but actually brings in preheated air and extracts the polluted air from the interior and continuously provide that without the need of uh, human intervention. And uh, thermal bridge free construction is uh, also part of that uh, thermal insulation. So we want to create a building that, that doesn't just have insulation in one detail, but it has insulation uh, all over. So above, below, on the facades, uh, at, uh, at the penetrations of the facade, every single detail needs to be looked at in order to create a building that doesn't waste energy and uh, remains comfortable without uh, uh, those thermal bridges. So can you just talk further through the key design elements there? So for a passive house, uh, for a successful uh, passive house design, there's a uh, uh, there's several uh, several components that need to be looked at. Uh, the first thing that generally is very important to look at is actually the siting and the, and the location of a building. So, of course, how we handle that, it all depends on where it is and the climate zone it's located. We work mostly in New York and surrounding areas, so we have a generally cold climate where the heating load is what is driving the design. So we try to do a building that uh, uh, yeah, shades itself uh, or has some way of shading itself in the summer to avoid solar heat gain or excessive solar heat gain. But we also need to harvest as much sun as possible in the winter in order to have uh, some of that heat inside the building. So designing the proper facades, the proper uh, openings so that we can maximize uh, the sun heat coefficient is something that's really important. Beside the design, the challenges are very technical for what concerns the construction of a passive house. So, uh, we need to look really at each wall and how they behave uh, depending on the climate that the building is in. And the construction uses uh, technologies that uh, to a certain extent are relatively new, especially in the US market. Uh, we use membranes and tapes uh, that uh, have only used, been used in construction for a certain uh, uh, number of years. Uh, most of these products are imported from, uh, from Europe, uh, but we're starting to see also some manufacturers in the US that start to look at these uh, more advanced materials. And I imagine that a passive house presents some challenges in the design phase with the complexity of some of those elements. What are some of the challenges? 
The challenges uh, are really in making all these components work together. Uh, so when we're working on a, on a passive house, we need to always uh, uh, consider that uh, as a, uh, almost as a, as a human body, where all the parts really need to work together. So it's really important to think about mechanical systems, to think about, again, the siting and the orientation of a building, and to think about the, how uh, also the, the life of the building and how people will actually use that building. Uh, is uh, is a family occupying a certain house going to cook every dinner on the stove and do they need a certain type of ventilation because of that or they order delivery all the time there's a lot of variables in the in the construction of a, of a house there's a lot of things that uh, can uh, help adjust these little criteria can actually help uh, design a house that is uh, that is efficient uh, not just as a whole but also as uh, for the people that are actually going to inhabit that and use it uh, uh, for the life of the Building. And you mentioned panelized systems. What are the benefits that panelized systems provide for this type of build and why are they so essential? Uh, we like to work with panelized systems uh, uh, for several reasons. Uh, of course, it's not something we can do all the time, but if possible, uh, we try to do that as much as possible. There are some cost benefits uh, that are not necessarily related to the material themselves, but to um, the streamline construction, uh, so how fast the construction can proceed in the field with a panelized system. Uh, my house in upstate New York was built with a panelized system uh, that actually didn't use any foam in its construction, so it was all dense packed cellulose, which is a 90% recycled material and a, a very good insulation. And uh, uh, that system was uh, made possible mostly because this was a prefabricated construction uh, done in a shop. As a matter of fact, that insulation is, is very good, but at the same time is very prone to humidity and uh, to install it within the building envelope in, uh, in a protected environment, in a workshop, in a condition workshop, uh, is really the best way to deal with that because if done in the field can lead to some problems. Uh, so that uh, additional uh, uh, attention to detail, that control environment where a panelized system gets built is something that really helps uh, uh, achieving the high performance as these houses uh, um, tend to. Are you looking for a digitalization and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes, so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward, wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit VinZero.com to find out more. So are you finding generally from a design perspective that more and more of your customers are leaning towards having some of the construct of a building affected off-site rather than all of it on-site? And if so, why is that? Yes, there's definitely uh, an, uh, more attention towards that. Uh, there's several reasons. Uh, once again, one, one of the, the major costs is uh, is labor, of course, even more than than materials. So, so to have a lot of laborers, especially if it's a suburban area where where it's difficult to bring material, and on the other end, if it's an urban area where it's very difficult to have the space to work with. Uh, so we try to use a, a prefabricated component as much as possible. So try to uh, move the construction of uh, 
beams uh, of trusses and of course of, of wall systems especially uh, outside of the site that uh, as i said earlier it has a cost implication but it also reduces dramatically the amount of waste uh, that is uh, generated on on site and the one that's generated in the factory. In the factory, uh, everything gets recycled and reused for other panels. On site, uh, not a lot gets recycled as a reality and everything uh, generally tends to be dumped altogether. So you know, so to minimize the waste on a job site is something that is really, uh, really good and that we're aiming for. So from a sustainable perspective, we're also seeing a lot of conversation now around the use of mass timber. What role does that play in designs for demo architecture? We're actually working on uh, on a project that uses mass timber in New York City. It's uh, it's a very exciting material and with a lot of uh, potential. And of course, it's been used for thousands of years uh, before, uh, so we haven't invented it. There's a lot of uh, um, psychological good aspects of, of mass timber, uh, the feeling of it, the aesthetics of it. It's a war material. Uh, if you're a developer, it increases the value of, uh, of a building. There are also health benefits uh, in how it uh, improves an environment. Uh, again, mostly from a psychological, psychological point of view, but also uh, if it's not treated, uh, if, uh, if, or if we use uh, low or no VOC uh, stains and, uh, and uh, other coatings uh, to protect it, uh, remains uh, uh, well, exposed wood and also, again, not a pollutant material. Well, one of the aspects that are most important, most regarded uh, by the industry is the fact that uh, unlike uh, steel and uh, and concrete, it has a very low embodied carbon. Um, so that means that uh, it takes less energy uh, to generate uh, or to produce a structure made of uh, mass timber than it does to actually have a structure made of concrete or of steel. And that's mostly because of the carbon sequestration throughout the life of the timber itself. This means we can do uh, buildings that hopefully, if designed properly, consume less, but also that have less energy embodied in them. And let's just unpack the benefits to passive house design as well. One of the points that we like to highlight uh, um, even more than uh, than the sustainability aspect of it, than the energy efficiency that a building, that a passive house building achieves, is the fact that uh, it has really uh, extremely good consequence on the air quality and on the comfort of an interior environment. Uh, because uh, of the, its air tightness uh, in a passive house building, protects the interior environment from pollutants, from pollens, from anything that might be bad, especially in an you know, urban environment, from getting within the building. There is this filtering system through the ERV, through this mechanical ventilation. So all the air that is pulled uh, through a fan inside the house uh, in order to uh, provide fresh air is always filtered so that there, again, none of these pollutants can enter in the house. And then the air that is extracted from the house uh, that's also constantly extracted, removes all the smells and all the chemicals that might be produced within the house because of well, the humans and their interaction with the space. Uh, so this is a really good aspect, the, how it improves the air quality, how it improves the comfort of, uh, of the interior of, uh, of a building. For this reason, this standard is particularly good for people that have uh, any sensitivities uh, to the air quality, uh, they have uh, allergies, uh, anything that uh, that can disturb them in the environment they, they normally live in, uh, they'll find a much better and filtered and protective environment within a passive house. Because of all the added insulation and because of the air tightness, uh, uh, passive house building also particularly soundproofing, 
uh, that means that there's no sound or very limited sound that can enter a building uh, designed with this standard. Once again, this is uh, something that is particularly uh, useful if a passive house building is built in a city environment where we have plenty of, uh, of noises on the street all the time. It really creates a healthy interior environment uh, that is comforting, that is soothing, and that is uh, extremely comfortable. Uh, and that doesn't apply only to residential space. There are office buildings, there are schools, there are all sorts of buildings that are built uh, according to this, uh, to this standard. Uh, finally, the benefit that uh, Passive House is most famous for, which is, of course, uh, something extremely valuable, is how it much it reduces the cost and uh, the operating cost of a building because of the, of the very little energy that is needed to heat and cool and generally run uh, and maintain a building uh, built according to this standard. And with these types of sustainable design principles, what role does technology play? Well, technology is really helping a lot, uh, of course, pushing this technology forward. One of the most important things um, that I can see is how uh, energy modeling is becoming more and more easy uh, to control and uh, therefore more and more popular and, uh, and used by uh, more and more architects and designers uh, in the world. So energy modeling helps us uh, uh, in the early stages of, uh, of a project uh, when we really are looking at the, at the siting, uh, at, the, at the number of openings, uh, the mechanical systems, uh, all the things that are really important uh, for a building uh, uh, to work properly and to save energy uh, in its life. So controlling that and a lot of the new software makes that pretty easy for a lot of people without the need of extensive experience. It's something that is definitely helping a lot. The data that we can extract from the buildings is also something something very helpful. Uh, we are trying to harvest data and uh, and analyze data from the buildings that we are building. So, uh, for example, in my house, uh, I have ways of controlling both the uh, indoor air quality, uh, the energy consumption, and uh, we always want to uh, verify that uh, what we have built uh, matches the expectation and what we had estimated from the energy model. Uh, so it's important to use the kanji in this way. And aside from passive house or net zero certified designs, how else are the principles of sustainability being reflected in architecture today? There's a lot of talk about sustainability in the world, in the world of architecture. What I feel um, that is more and more um, understood um, by the general public is the need to consume less and to reduce waste. So more than uh, plastering roofs with solar panels and and uh, just harvest the energy but continue to consume a lot of energy, I like to believe that uh, more and more people are understanding that we need to consume less energy, that we need to reduce the waste. So, so we need to build in a smarter way, which again is not just uh, trying to save uh, our mistakes uh, by generating or harvesting that uh, that additional energy but actually uh, designing in a smarter way so we need to use less and consume less uh, to live our lives. And what innovations are you seeing that enable sustainability? I think that in the past uh, uh, in the past few years uh, there's been uh, definitely a much better uh, and more uh, spread out understanding of building science. Uh, more and more builders uh, and architects uh, and consultants uh, um, are trying to uh, really see the science uh, behind building and understanding exactly how a building breathes, uh, how 
the importance of understanding the indoor and outdoor humidity, indoor and, ex and outdoor uh, temperature, and how these things relate to the uh, to the life of a building. So a better understanding of, of building science means that uh, we can apply that that science to construction. Therefore, use materials that, that come out of uh, of this innovation, of this better understanding of how a building behaves. So there's uh, there's new membranes, uh, there are uh, more advanced uh, and uh, and long-lasting tapes uh, that are all parts of a general movement towards uh, making our buildings better. Uh, we understand that we spend a lot of time inside our buildings. We understand that quite often uh, we are poisoned by our own buildings because of mold, because of uh, a lot of issues that, uh, because of, of uh, uh, carbon monoxide and, and a lot of other things that we generate because we create bad buildings. So. Luckily, there is that understanding, and uh, not everywhere necessarily, but uh, a lot of people are actually trying to really build uh, better buildings uh, using this uh, new technology, using this new knowledge that is available, and using all the new tools uh, that we can find on the market. When you think future about the built environment, what is it that excites you the most? What excites me is uh, I think the, this, this feeling of understanding that there is a better understanding of building science, that there is a common desire of, of doing things better. And uh, what really excites me is that I'm trying to be, and we are as an office, trying to be part of that. So we want to continue to push for better buildings. Uh, we want them to last longer. We want to perform them better. And we want them to create the environments that are comfortable, that are beautiful to look at, and that uh, are long-lasting for the people that ask us to design those buildings. There's a lot of technological advancement, uh, there are regulations that are pushing in these directions, and uh, what we need is really a wider audience uh, for these technologies uh, and a larger mass production that can reduce the prices and the cost of, uh, of the building materials and labor uh, to actually achieve more high-performance uh, buildings uh, and better buildings uh, for our environment. Well, Alessandro, thank you for joining us and we certainly look forward to continuing to see more of Demo Architect's wonderful sustainable designs. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From VinZero Think Future, thanks for listening.